0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second episode of No Jodas. I have a really special guest here with me that I'm really excited to have on the show. You guys might know him on the social media accounts as Dichos de un Bicho. So welcome to the show, Victor. How are you?
1: I'm all right. It's kind of an oddly warm day for December.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This <laughs> weather is killing me, honestly. I don't get it. It's like summer in December. But that's L.A., right? That's yeah. just weird. It's not normal, though. But... Um, <laughs> So, Victor, uh, it's such a pleasure meeting you. Um, I'm a huge fan of your work, and thank you again for the gifts. That means so much to me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, So, again, you know, I'm so glad to have you because I, I recently just found your work, and when I started this podcast, I made it a and like I put it out there and the universe is a little bit embarrassing to, to <laughs> tell you right now, but I put it out there and I said it out loud. I was like, I'm going to have Dichos de un Bicho on No Jodas or at least one day we'll have it. So thank you again for coming out here. It oh, means so much. Um, and... You know, I, like I said, back to your work, it's something really important. And I think the way you do it is so huge and the way where it's so raw and authentic, but still really just, you know, it gets to the point. So um, can you talk to me? How did you when did you start doing your art?
1: So oddly enough, I mean, I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. I did not start drawing till I was, what, 37? 37 right oh so a few years ago yeah it's it's, it's not that long ago i mean i I, um i've always since i was a kid i've I've wanted to draw but i mean when i was in you know in grade school uh you know, you have one of those asshole teachers that just discourages you and traumatizes, traumatizes you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I had one who saw my drawings and like, yeah, you should stick to something else and everything. And like, that as a kid, it just, it, it breaks your heart. Because, oh like, yeah, for sure. Know, so like, it, it's funny because I would see all this great artwork, the entirety of my life I've seen great artwork mm-hmm. and like I had this yearning for like, just like, wow, I wish I could just like, you know, take a, pen, you know, a pencil to a, a piece of paper and just like doodle stuff and everything. And Again, it goes back to this thing, like, you know, in terms of art, like, it's like, if you, you know, there are all these obstacles and barriers that hold you back from doing it, but everybody is an artist. Everybody has the potential to create something beautiful in whatever media, you know, they feel most comfortable in. So, I mean, I'm proud of that. And I've been doing it for the past three years and holy shit, it's like, it's like, um. And excuse my language. So I'm no, sorry. no, it's I, okay. I, I curse a lot. I'm Salvadoran. I curse a lot. But I
0: curse a lot too. <laughs> oh my gosh, really bad. But go on, it's okay.
1: But it's like it's it opened this whole entirely new world of depicting all these stories and ideas that I've had in my head for a really really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I honestly, credit goes to a lot to my partner, who's also Salvadoran, and like, she's the one who's like encouraged, encouraged me and pushed me. To just like, dude, just. Start doing this. You know, just create your blog and just start putting your ideas yeah. out there.
0: Yeah, and so. it's great stuff because there's one specific character that's really famous in this, and it's the little cat, right?
1: Puchica Puchin. Puchica
0: Puchin. So, and um, a lot of people don't know what Puchica means. It's like a what? very... Puchica, you know, like... What's, uh, in El Salvador, it's like a very... It's like the nice way of saying...
1: The the p u t a word yes, right
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> or in other words I'll just say oh, that one yeah right <laughs> yeah. so like, I mean it's yeah puchica it's like yeah it's an exclamation I mean it's it, it, it's like this multi-purpose uh, uh, thing to say like la gran con vos, or like recoge esa va que en el suelo that kind yeah. of thing, right? <laughs> there
0: know? it is there's the accent
1: <laughs> uh, that's there it's, yeah can
0: so back so you're okay so you're one hundred percent Salvadorian.
1: Uh oh man, percentages? Are we good? Are we doing like the the, the litmus test for? I mean,
0: symptoms? yeah, it doesn't matter. Both well, <laughs> both your parents are from Salvador Yeah, both
1: both from Encino. Okay, so.
0: and you were born and raised here in LA, though. Yeah.
1: So okay. I'm a, I'm a, I was I was born literally where the school is now called uh what's it is or is it? It's on it's right up a block away from MacArthur Park, and that's where basically I grew up for the first like, you know, first few years of my life. But mostly Pico Union. That's the area that you know I spent as a kid. So.
0: Do you remember growing up in?
1: Oh yeah, part in Pico Union. You know, it's the trippiest thing. Why? It's looking at the, at the at the LA skyline and remembering when there was only like three buildings.
0: Oh wow!
1: Yes, folks, that shows my age. <laughs>
0: it's like, it's like, oh my gosh!
1: Back when we rode dinosaurs. <laughs>
0: You're not. That old no, though, I yeah. I mean, I'm. I, oh gosh, everyone. I don't know. You don't look your age though, so that's good. Um, and I get that a lot too. So I guess to my listeners, I'm 22, but everyone thinks I'm like 14 or 15. Uh. So I mean, it's it, it could be a compliment in the future, <laughs> but right now it's like thanks. I'm not a minor though, but um, Pico Union though. So my fam, my the first people who migrated um, from my family to um, the U.S were my grandparents, and they were also uh, living in Pico Union, MacArthur Park area. What years? This was like 1970.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... The first migration.
0: Yeah, the very, very... um, I guess the first known or documented, yeah. 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 So um, they had an experience within themselves, too, but it wasn't until I think the 80s when it was just a huger amount of immigrants from Central America coming into Pico Union MacArthur Park yeah that was like the big movement um so uh, back again to you know growing up what was it like though because I know it's it's a predominantly Central American part or a little I guess you know pocket and here in LA for Salvadorians and Central Americans
1: so it's funny because I've, this is something I've been thinking about for a while now because I, I want to start creating artwork of my memories of what Macarthur Park looked like back in like in the early '80s. That'd be great. Uh, and yes, the the water has always smelled like piss. <laughs> I swear to God, it always has. Um, oh my god. And I don't know how people fish there because my mom was always always felt disgusted. She saw we saw people fishing there and like I don't I wish she wouldn't need that but, um, it was a, a different. If I, ca- I can't describe, I mean, I mean, uh, there weren't as many Salvis um, or as many Central Americans uh, back then, as you know, as there, as there are now. Like there wasn't, like, you could walk into uh, into that neighborhood and see pupusarillas. I mean, there were only like one or two okay. tops back then, right? And predominantly, it was, it was still kind of still Mexican, right? Was, yeah. It, uh, you know, folks walking around. So it was, you know, you you were still like this kind of unique person, right, you know, right. and some my parents talk about the, the stories about, like, what it meant to, like, go into, like, for example, being in, being in and then cross over here into into East LA,
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to, like,
1: nothing, it was it was all normal up until they spoke, right?
0: Right, of and, course.
1: And then that's when, kind of, like, the look started, and they're like, ¿De dónde son ustedes? Oh, somos de Salvador, and then, like, that's, you know, like, kind of like oh, yeah. okay, that kind of thing, and so that's, what my childhood was allowed, it's, you know it's it's except that whereas my parents would get like looks and questions and kind of like mm, kind of standoffish why are you here kind of thing mm-hmm. it, it's funny how that when it filtered down into the children it manifested as violence right right because for me it meant bullying like straight on bullying because of the way that i spoke because um for some reason the word gaseosa was just like a sin to say that word
0: it's like there's a lot of words we say that are sins to say to them just as some of their words that they freely say are just like sins to us like you know i mean and i think that's just the spanish language though or dialects but yeah um i that's just an ongoing like thing we hear all the time you know and it's just known that some of the things, like, we say, like, if you were to teach someone, they'd be like, oh, but well, that's, like, a bad word in Mexico, and it's, like, to say it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> But um, go on, though. Uh...
1: So, I mean, that, that's that's kind of what life was like. You know what? The other thing that tripped me out when I started thinking about it is like, when you would, when we would watch TV, and back then, Canal uh, 34 uh, was actually, they actually exclaimed M X, you know? like mm-hmm. Because, like, that's... One of the first, like Spanish language, you know, uh, TV stations here in LA was mm-hmm. right, primarily, right. you know, Mexican, and it was trippy because, uh, um, yeah, the entire programming was Mexican, but anytime, anytime Central America or Salvador of was mentioned, it was in relation to the war, right? And that was the yeah. only mention of it. That was our only form of existence in the media, mm-hmm. the war, right? Oh, refugees, and that's it, right? Yeah. Outside of that, it's it, there was no platform or no way of being able to talk and discuss about who we really are outside of these you know larger events that are happening you know in our homelands
0: right yeah and i think another thing that goes into especially in the 80s was reagan's administration mm-hmm. i mean when he was talking about these things he was just saying like oh the gorillas you know like Guer- guerrilleros you know like just putting an image on us that we were just kind of all bad people. So I remember one of my professors, actually, when he was teaching the Central American Studies classes at ELAC, Mm -hmm and uh he was saying the same thing he's like man he's like when i was a kid and this was and i was listening to reagan speak you know i was just scared of these people so already it's just implementing fear mm-hmm. you know of what's not known yeah. and i think that goes a lot into it and then just as as simple as our dialect you know people are like why do you talk like that
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and a lot of people also don't know that M.A.S.A. You know, the matter that started here in L.A. and it derived a lot from the fact that these people were being bullied Mm -hmm. against by other, I guess, gang gang members. So that kind of just started it. You know, I mean, I don't want to get into politics (laughs) into that. You know, um, but that's I guess it's a fun trivia for you, quote unquote fun trivia. (laughs) Yeah, that it started here in L.A. So and that has been a big impact on on the country itself too yes but um so back to uh your art so you said this was three years ago
2: yeah yeah
0: which is uh, it's crazy to believe but I mean I'm glad that you continued with it after even being you know put down by a professor because I know how that is yeah and it seems to be like a thing in like public schools for some reason public school teachers are terrible sometimes honestly they're just there for their paycheck some of them But, um, I'm glad you continued with them because every time I'm going through them on Instagram, I'm like, yes, yes. Every single time it's just so relatable. And so what was your motive though? What, so can you, actually, can you explain to me Mexican hegemony? Is that the? Hegemony? Hegemony. Hegemony. There we go.
1: Uh, we're getting into that area now. Um, (laughs) so, uh, I don't know who coined it originally, and um, but it's 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 been around for a while. This this, this idea that um, just like we have the primary hegemony, which is American white supremacy, right, right in this in you know in, at least in this hemisphere, um, and which is political, economic, and cultural mm-hmm. total dominance over everybody else, right? There is a secondary hegemony, right? Uh, which is Mexico as a nation state and its power that it's had for a very long time that right. goes unacknowledged. I mean, um, an example of, of this is that um, Televisa, right? Mm-hmm. Televisa has been around for God knows. However, and it's funny, I was just started watching the uh, the Cater Castillo documentary on El Chapo. Okay. And this is really there's a section there where a uh, a political commentator refers to Televisa as the Ministry of Education of Mexico, right?
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. I
1: was like that's a great like uh, commentary there. And it is, you know, because it, it it's like this massive uh massive apparatus of education of of, of political propaganda, right? Uh, that benefits the state, and so it's everywhere. It's in it's in Central America. It's it's actually you know in South America. It's it, there's nobody in, in the entire entirety of Latin America who does not know who El Chavo is, who does not know who Vi, uh, Vicente Fernandez is, right? Right, right. And it's like it's the ability to transmit culture that can be commodified and extended out into all these markets, right? Mm-hmm. Without realizing that there is there is a power in being able to to put your voice in this particular construction of a culture right out you know in all these spaces and so it i mean it's it's a large thing it, it does, does not mean that me, the mexican folk or, you know the person walking in the street you know as we we're talking about earlier benefits directly in terms in, in terms monetarily right but it's like you said it was about it's about representation about right. feeling that you're representing or you can see yourself on the tv screen on the radio and mm-hmm. And assume that this is the only worldview that exists, right? Or this is the only thing that exists. Anything outside of that is now an anomaly.
0: Right, right,
1: right. Right? It's anomalous. And so, therefore, if you don't know what it is and you don't understand it, then you try to make it as close to you as possible, Mm -hmm. right? This is what white people have tried to do with PPOC for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the Mexican hegemony operates in very much the same way. And you can see it in how many, like you know latinos and latinas you know who uh, tr- basically have to emulate assimilate and use you know mexican language in order to fit in in order to like right. you know traverse daily life mm-hmm. you know uh,
0: when you grew up was it uh, did you ever hide your ad- identity at one point of being salvadorian
1: so or felt like you needed to well see i mean i oh, i went in res- it's funny because in response to not being understood you know in Spanish as, as a Salvadoran by Mexican kids what I what happened with me and I, and I know this happens with other Salvadorans mm-hmm. is that I started more going towards whiteness right so like and it's funny because I, I listen to my own voice and I can hear how white I sound
0: same here you literally just oh my god <laughs> right you it's just like, dragged me into this too because <laughs> no really I it's I'm, oh my gosh, I'm glad you said that because I felt I went through the same thing and you're right. I totally did that. Like I was like, I'm going to make myself appear more white. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that just like you're saying, the way I, way we speak right now, our English, I guess to, uh, I guess the white way of saying it is you're very articulate. Right. (laughs) I I know. I know. Um, Oh my gosh! I'm just—you just blew my mind right now. I'm like,
1: <laughs> but in, in, the, you know, the grand irony for in Spanish, I was un, unliked and unwanted because of Salvadoran. But the way that sounded. But once I did that and it started becoming, you know, more whitish, I was then called white boy,
2: right? Mm. So it's like
1: there was no existence for me among these. You know, these kids who were bullying me in any, in any capacity to, outside of just me just having to basically be completely 100 Mexican in, in you know in their eyes, um, but i mean and that shit basically stayed with me for a really long time of just uh, it, it's funny because for my parents as well like whiteness is is a, a socioeconomic ladder right it's not seen as necessarily as like actually unfortunately for a lot of salvadorians it's not necessarily seen as like oh you know we need to stick to our traditions and everything it's like no we need to kind of survive we need to figure out how to like live in this world and it's like hey my kid speaks you know english that like like my boss say is really good hey that's a that's a credit to me as a parent right and i'm raising mm-hmm. this kid that's gonna be you know a success in this country because of the way he sounds
0: that's so interesting yeah i mean i feel like in general that ladder is a common thing mm-hmm. in all of latin america too because i mean if there's i mean there's internal racism between ourselves in right. our own countries right. and the whiter you are the better for you you know like cheles you know, the more Chile yeah, you chelena. are, it's like yeah. okay. Oh yeah, I believe me, I've been favorited too by other family members than my other cousins who are more like more darker complexed and they're like, oh, I've been in Chile, you know, like oh, qué bonita la niña or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yes, going back to that, I I do stand by all of what you're saying in terms of that ladder of just improving yourself in a country, you know that. You're kind of given a second opportunity in a sense, you know. Yeah. But... I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And it's, I mean, this is, I think this is a part of my story. I don't think I've I've, I've spoken a lot about, but like, um, what ended up happening was is that I, I mean I became full blown. This this immense desire to be white, right, and and, and inside of me. Mm-hmm like, up until, like, in my, my teenage years, and especially, and what made it worse is that my family decided to move me, move us to Glendale, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and this is Glendale in 1989, when, I mean, Glendale has a beautiful history of, you know, having, you know, KKK <laughs> rallies and stuff, and, you know, it I it,
0: did not know that. It was a
1: sundown town. You you could, If you were a POC, you could not be in that town. Whoa. Past, you know, sundown. Oh my god,
0: I like hit myself. That's crazy. You know?
1: And it was like, and it's funny what, you know, the, the, what Glendale is today, but, you know, back then, when it going into, like, my mom registering me at, at, at the uh, the school district and having, like, you know, white people point at me, like, what the hell, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it, for them, it was like, okay, we're gonna put him in a good district, in a quote-unquote good, dist- quote, good district and have him, you know, have more opportunities, but what that did is it, it worsened, you know, it, 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 it made it so much more worse this this complex that I had about being this brown boy who wanted desperately to be white and wanted to sound white, wanted to, like, enjoy all these, you know, you know, white things, and, you know, it's like, I it carried this for years and years. I mean, uh, this is going to shock some folks, but I was actually a Republican you know, for, for when I was, like, 18, I was like, I mean, this is terrible. This is terrible, and I, I mean, I'm going to admit it because I've changed. I swear I've changed. Um, I I've, I've voted, um, I mean, I couldn't vote for Prop 187, but I would have, right? Wow. I mean, but I, I voted for Prop 209, which is what eliminated affirmative action, you know, in, 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 all these colleges but that's I was I had so much self-hate embedded in me right that I, I I I saw myself in in like in the Republican you know revolution that happened in I think in the mid 90s when mm-hmm. they took over Congress and you know I used to watch Rush Limbaugh every single every single evening this is the type of person I was I was a little I, I was like a little you know make America great kind of little proto-fascist right there Wow. and I, I God it's like when I, when I think about that, I was like, God, I was like, I just I was ha- I was just so filled with so much self-hate about myself
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it, whiteness was like the only escape. but there was no way I could ever be white. And it took me a, a long time to figure that out until like my only escape, my only escape out of that was to learn how to love myself, right, right. And to learn how to love to love myself meant to love my parents and to love where they come mm-hmm. from. And that kind of began that, that decade long journey to kind of where I'm at now,
0: right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess our stories are similar in the sense well, so we're 20 years apart, I believe, right? 40, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah 30, yeah. pretty much. 18
0: yeah. something. But um, so for me, with the issues I face now, as I guess a Latina in 2017, so I grew up in Highland Park. Mm hmm. And, um, same, going back to what you said, like, all I knew was just like, okay, bettering myself and being more white, you know? And that was very much true. You know, like I, I that's just what I just went through. And then, uh, it wasn't until you're like recently too, where, so, you know, my hood, I guess was hit with gentrification.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And when it first started trickling in there, you know, the first little like wave, I was like, oh man, this is great. I was literally just like, this is great. Yeah, we need this, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then, and just because, like I said, just like thinking, like, okay, if I'm more white, I'm more better, you know. And then it's like, oh look, like now they want to be here, whatever. And I noticed eventually through the years how bad it became, mm-hmm. and how much I realized. I'm like, I need to go back to my roots. And it was loving where I'm from, loving where my, you know, my parents are coming from. But, you know, the funny thing, too, though, is that growing up, I would always say I was Salvadorian. Mm. I never, like, I always, I never heard anything bad about El Salvador, in the sense, because, you know, my dad, when he was growing up, like, I just know stories from him, and, like you know, his infancia, like, stories from, like, Santa Ana, and just Mm -hmm. everything about El Salvador. So, like, I never really had anything bad or something shameful to think of it, you know? Right, So, um, that was one thing I did hold myself accountable, but going back to, you know, the whole issue of me being more white, you know, it's just... I started realizing how I felt like an outsider in my own hood, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just like, what the hell? And I was just like, no, I'm like, I'm, I was here first, you know, I'm like, I know these streets. I know these avenues. I know the people from the avenues, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was just like, uh-uh. I'm like, this isn't flying with me anymore. I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Like you're not going to open up this little boutique, ass store, excuse me, you know, like, yeah. I'm getting into it now, yeah. and, like, kick out these other vendors, you know, who were trying to make a living, you know, and you're selling, like, $200 worth of ceramic crap that right. I can get in El Salvador, you know, like, it's <laughs> just, like, how do you, and then in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, how do you even keep your store up, yeah. but, you know, it's just, you know, go, gosh, I go, I'm telling you, when you speak, when I'm having, you're having a conversation with me, I go into different avenues, Don't worry, it's a way but, to worry. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, me realizing more so recently, where I was like, "No, I'm like, I'm, I am who I am." I my views have changed completely. Yeah. Um, I don't care if I sound articulate to some people, yeah. but if I if I'm gonna sound that way, I'm gonna use it as a platform to, I guess, in a sense make not make better but like for the reason of this podcast as i said prior or in the first episode was to lend a voice mm-hmm. or to give this voice to our community yeah. and because it's time you know yes. and uh it's just at this point where i'm like i'm exhausted mm-hmm. and you know just going through these experiences and just every single time when someone asks me like where are you from and then i'll be like oh my parents are from el salvador and then it's that uh, oh, you're Salvadorian, or oh, you're Central American, or it's like, what does that even mean at this point? Like, look at what we're going through, you know? And then especially in this time Mm -hmm. with our president, unfortunately, it's just, you know, um, I don't know. I I can't stress enough how uh, there's just no more room for bigotry anymore, or just this issue of, like, you're different, and Mm. because of that, I'm going to treat you differently or see you differently or you know what my community is better than yours yeah and but anyways um wow I just lost my train of thought just going into that rat. <laughs> uh but you know going so going back to your art again
2: mm-hmm.
0: so um how did you create Dichos de name how did you create the name actually that's what I
1: um because it's
0: so clever what's
1: funny because like okay so when when i was um when my partner suggested that i create the blog i was like oh man what what what, so what name am i going to give this thing Mm -hmm. something catchy something that you know that just like you know it'll be easy for folks to like you know kind of like say or whatever and um i remember that i had like this like um so on my own facebook page my personal one. i had all these like um album full of memes that i had created you know because Prior to, to drawing, I was I was an actual graphic artist though, Okay, I, so cool. I at least I had that background right, um, and I had all these memes that I had made about different things, and like I had titled the, the album "Dicho Zumbicho" and like, oh okay that, that sounds great I think that it's already it's already there then mm-hmm. so and you know I titled it that and like I was like okay I need a logo and at that point that's when Angie had come into my life so that's a cat, that
0: oh she, the kitchen. Is
1: no, that no? No, no, Angie is the act is uh,
0: Angie's the actual cat. Yeah, so she's yeah, on yeah, the yeah. logo of uh Yes, yes, yes. So a little gray cat, right?
1: Uh she's kind of like more like a, a calico kind of tabbyish. Got it, got she's it. Kind of brownish. So I used I I drew this thing up uh, you know, of her and then I used that as the logo and then um yeah and I started the the first platform was Facebook and it just started just with me posting articles and commenting on them or adding some 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 in, some insight or whatever you know came into my head, some critiques, some you know shit talking, mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of how it started. And then, the first few cartoons that I did were about my family. Okay, or, those were about my grandmother. Things that, you know, because it, it, the reason I wanted to call it dichos y was because these are the dichos of my mom, mm, particularly. Because if mm-hmm. anyone's ever seen some of the cartoons about my mom, is that my mom, you know, she's 83 years old now, but she is the definition of a of cachimbona. She is hella fierce, the, take no prisoners, will basically tell you to your face what, how things are, and, you know, she won't take shit from anybody, right? So it's, that's sort of like the template of, of you know, of motherhood that I grew up with. And, um, you know, it was difficult as a kid because I was, I was you know, I was afraid of her. Mm-hmm. But as an adult now, it's kind of, you know, a different thing now. And, you know...
0: Yeah, my mom's the same way.
1: <laughs> right? It's like...
0: <laughs> Sorry, mom. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. No. Because the word cachimbona, you know, or catching like, it's just... Uh, I think it's a very known thing that Salvadorian people, don't, we don't let ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's something great, too, um put out there because regardless it's like i mean for the majority of the part you know it's like why would we let ourselves you know especially at this point you know so um that's something i hold very dearly and proud of myself because i was the same way i was just like okay yeah and what you know like i would always fight back but um i did not know though that your first comics were your family
1: yeah they're, they're, they're back there you know what i need to bring some of the uh some of those back because I mean I, I focused a lot on Puchin and all this other stuff but the, at the very core of it it's it's the stuff about my family and the stories that I grew up with the funny the funny morbid shit that you know that that's part of our part of our culture everything. yes you know what I also wanted to mention like that you, you brought it up right now I am so happy that you talked about in the first episode mm-hmm. talked about the stereotypes that exist about like Salvadoran women right, right? Because, like you know, we we're talking about Concimundo, and when I, you know, look at my mom and I look at all the Central American and particularly the Salvadoran women that, as a kid, I grew up watching, working hard, right, right. to feed their kids. I mean, these are these are women who went and mothered white kids in Beverly Hills. Then came back, made dinner, you know, took care of their own kids, made sure the kids were doing their homework, you know, and we you know. And if there was a dad, you know, he'd, he'd probably come home hella late from you know, doing his job, you know. It's like these women had, they were working 23 out of 24 hours, right? Right. It's like,
0: 24 7 so, too. Mm-hmm, right.
1: Every single, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, and to hear these, these vicious and vile stereotypes about yeah. them, because um, I'll bring you back to another question you asked earlier about whether I ever had to hide my identity so you know um, I was in a relationship with with a Mexican partner for about six years okay and you know these are folks who we you know who, who genuinely love me but there was that part of me where I had it being Salvadoran was sort of like this sore thumb that stuck out you know amongst oh, sure. them right
0: I've experienced that too
1: and so like it, it always tripped me out to hear these that I had to change my accent, by the way, to be to live with them. I had to change my accent to I mean, to make it more like, um,
0: so they uh, can understand.
1: But yeah, and it was a standardized kind of Spanish, the right. like, center, you know, look closer to like the way fucking noticieros like speak,
2: you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh like, my gosh, you know,
1: like that kind of way. So just just and, and, and having to force myself to do that, but also having to force myself to hide that part of me of, of what it meant to be Salvi, just to kind of like not be picked on, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, again, this goes back to these were people who genuinely loved me, but yet that love could not extend to accepting the totality of me, which included being Salvadoran. And so to hear all of a sudden these folks say these things about Salvadoran women, like, que son ficheras, que son pirujas, right? And then it's like, women, like, oh, pero tu mamano, right? Oh,
0: yeah, but not not yours, you know? Like, it's like. Uh, this reminds me a lot of that uh, the the comic you made of uh, I'm pretty sure it was Puchin, right? Puchica Puchin? Yeah. Where he's wearing the jersey from El Salvador. And then it's the yeah, with, yeah. the is it a bird the is it a rooster?
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a play on gallohiro. So gallohiro, uh, okay. so it's Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. That's interesting. But it's just like the the I guess how can I say it? Like There's that little bit left of them where they still kind of have to throw it out there. Yeah, like I'm gesturing to you, like I'm throwing it out to you, but in the sense where, like I had my in the first episode my experience uh, with one guy that I dated, Mm -hmm. um, who I loved his family and he loved, they loved me too. Like they were just a great family, but. It was always a reminder that I was Salvadorian. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like that. Like, I'm like, you don't come to my family and we have to remind you that you're Mexican.
2: Exactly. And
0: like, I've never heard that, you know, where, I mean, I'm sure there might be some people or Central American people who have done that, but in response or regards to the fact that they've been, it has been done to them first. Yeah. So, uh, same thing, you know, like that one, that that triggers me a lot is where I was getting in the car because his um, his mom was picking us up from school and it was me, him, and his sister and then his little sister. Mm-hmm. And um, his uncle's in the front seat and it was, her, it was his mom's brother. And then, you know, I'm going like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, you know, new face. And then, uh, you know, I'm speaking in Spanish, of course, because I don't want to disrespect anyone, right. right? And then doesn't even say, oh, hi, nice to meet you or like oh you know it's you know whatever i'm so and so right away starts with the accent and starts trying to talk like us mhm and then like just saying like oh let's go get pupusas or and just you know going off and off and then from like the the rearview mirror or whatever i see his mom like looking over at me to see if like i'm laughing or to see, and she's laughing too you yeah. know and then like i'm just like looking at my boyfriend at the time and i'm like Am I, what am I supposed to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then even he was kind of like, um, why are you doing this, you know? And then he had told me, too, that whenever his uncle would go over to his house and when he would see his uncle, he would start doing that accent to him. And, like, he would always be like, dude, like, why is that necessary, you know? And, like, he would tell me. He's just like, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but still, it was just like, man, you know, like, you don't have to lose that respect for someone and it's just like i mean i don't get it what is it that they have against us is the question that i've always wanted to ask
1: i mean i think after all these years uh, what i've kind of understood is that so um uh, uh, when i first started with teachers on beach of the erica that is who's in copenhagen she's selfish she's studying in copenhagen wow. and she decided to start this this um magazine over there about, you know, migrants, right? And so, she was one of the first people to actually, like, feature me in her, in her oh, like, wow, thing. Oh, cool. wow. It was great. What's the name of it? Uh, Mask Magazine. M A S Q Magazine. You got a plug, Erika. <laughs> so, like, um, and you can find it on, on uh, it's Mask Magazine on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a ton of good stuff, by the way. Beautiful stuff. But anyway, like, in there, like, I, she asked me that, that question about, you know, something along those lines. Why? Why, right? And the thing that I remember saying is like this is something I'm gonna repeat over and over again, right? Because, unfortunately, like Mexican folks get super defensive, right? When, when when we talk about, start talking about power and access, right? And about this ingrained sense of supremacy that they don't necessarily want to acknowledge, right? Right. And it's like, and I'll put it like this, right? It it goes back, to, it goes to the question of what is a nation state, right? And what does it mean, what citizenship within a nation state means? Mm-hmm. And what it means is a nation state will create a citizen identity that wants to imbue with superiority over the other, mm-hmm. right? Because this is how they maintain control. right? You create, not only do you have, you know, external borders around your, your, your nation, you have internal borders within your own people as well, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you, and you have all these hierarchies, and it's important to have that nationalism there mm-hmm. to ensure that your people will always follow whatever policies or whatever propaganda you put out there, and every single nation-state does this. America's an expert at this now, right? right. This, is how we, this is how we got this fucker as a president, right? Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. But,
1: but Mexico is not different at all, right? And I think what happens is, um, because of the experience of Mexican folks here here in the United States, there's, you know, there's a, a sense of Mexican exceptionalism has been created as a defense mechanism, right? But they don't realize that while that, me- that nationalism, that mechanism defense for them is great because it makes them feel strong they don't realize that it's a double edged sword because it's a weapon against us who are smaller right. right who are less who are not as populous as they are we don't have as much power as they do geopolitically right. and so it's very true w- when we when we put into the scale of like just let's just talk about how nation states operate it is easier to kind of talk about that because when we just say oh Mexicans are like, just feel like they're better than us all of a sudden it's like you know you, you get all this defensiveness right and it, Like I said, that has been there for a long, long, long time, and it's it's gone unacknowledged. I mean, Mexico has been the power uh, in in the Caribbean and Central America for more than a century now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether it means cultural, whether it means political, whether it means economic. For example, even back in the 50s, you know, if you wanted to go to really good schooling, you went to Mexico. If you wanted to get into broadcasting or anything media, you went to Mexico. Right. Right, yeah. Now, if you were in South America, you went to Argentina. Of course, right. That's where you went, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like they have been these hubs, these next, this nexus of like, of all this intersectional power Mm -hmm. that's been unacknowledged for a really long time. I mean. My parents grew up with Jorge Negrete, every, all this Mexican music, right? right. But, but the migration of culture never went northward from like Central America up there, despite the fact that we we have all this music in Central America, right?
0: Yeah, you know, talking about music is, you know, my grandfather. So he's the one who came in the 70s, yeah. um, and one of the reasons why he was able to migrate was because. He was way chile, like six feet right. tall, um, and he was actually working for the government in Salvador. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't want to get too specific, <laughs> yeah. but um, he was able to get a visa, yeah. a traveling visa, and then with that, was able to get my grandmother, and then, you know, the whole residency, citizenship right. stuff kind of started. So um, yeah, I remember my, grandf- my grandpa always loved Chente. Mm-hmm. And Vicente, Vicente Fernández, yeah. you know, and like always blasting his music, and I would always be like, "What? Like, okay, like I just knew, you know, like, like in, oy, in the first episode, <laughs> these tears, in the first episode, you know, um, I mentioned. Wow, what did I mention? Something. It was. Um, oh my God, I lose my train of thought every That's single okay. time. But, um, I, anyways, in terms of my identity, like knowing that I spoke Spanish and I was round, but I was not Mexican. Mm-hmm. So I was able to differentiate little by little as mm-hmm. I grew older, the difference or the different, cult- the different cultures. Mm-hmm. So I'd always think, like, whenever I would hear Vicente Fernandez, I'd be like, yeah, he's not from El Salvador, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> honestly, like, I grew up with cumbias. Yep. Like, I grew up with, like, La Sonora Dinamita, you know, and then also just, uh, I mean, Celia Cruz, but just predominantly cumbia you know and then we knew a lot of them that were from el salvador Mm -hmm. you know and then it's just um by then uh i was kind of just like okay i started getting the feel of like the different rhythms the different you know i guess culture differences Mm -hmm. and um yeah so and it was actually you know like my father what i'm really close to him Mm -hmm. um our connection is through music Like, he would always, like, music's just been a big part of our lives. So he would always, always talk about how you know in the 70s the music from the 70s like he was just like yeah you know like Peter Frampton I was listening to Peter Frampton mm-hmm. I was listening to Zeppelin you know like all these music genres you know and then he would also be like yeah but I was also still listening to music from El Salvador yes. you know yes. um, and then one music that I really started getting into one of the groups is Yelo Ardiente mm-hmm. and uh, that was actually from Linda Nuves because she played that. she has a vinyl because um, she gets all these vinyls from El Salvador because her grandfather is like a collector
1: uh, we, are we playing radio- Right now. Yes, I hope
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna get you know, get them in, but uh yeah, you know, like oh my gosh, you know, and then oh, yeah. of course and another funny thing too, going back to the music is you know, one of the greatest I guess I don't wanna say our anthem, but you know, the very commonly known song La Bala from yeah. Los Hermanos Flores, yeah. you know. Not a lot of people know that Los Hermanos Flores are from El Salvador. Right. Everyone's just like, oh, I thought they were from Mexico. Even oh. people that I know who are Mexican are like, oh, that they're from El Salvador, and I'm just like, oh, yes. yeah, like yes. come on, like really, like man, this is what like this is the number one hitter at parties, right. you know, Salvadorian parties. Like yeah. we gotta play it at the end because it's the best, yeah. you know. But um, <laughs> you know, it's just even that, yes. you know, like our own little like our artists, our things that are just kind of not like just very surface level because mm. it gets overpowered by the bigger representation and culture, yes, you know? Yes. So it's like every time like you know I hear someone like maybe mention something in that sense and I'll be like, they're from a Salvador. you know, like mm-hmm. right away I'm just like just make just just, just to claim it. Yeah. Because I'm like I have to and I have to hold on to that, right, you know? Right. But um yeah, I mean it's just it's it sucks knowing that it's like man like even though we do have great things coming from El Salvador, a lot of people are not aware that it's from there. Mm-hmm. Or even just in, in a general sense, Centro America, you mm-hmm. know? And, yeah, I mean... Whew. But, yeah, our music is great, though. I mm-hmm. will say, you know, even though Cumbia's from Colombia, I will say that Salvadorians have got... They got a really good spin on it, too. You know, La Cumbia from El Salvador. So, um, get a chance to listen to that music when you can. But, anyways... Um, yeah, I mean, going back to this general conversation, do you do you have a message to your audience out there, to your fans, to new people finding out what who Dichos de un Bicho is, or what goes behind it?
1: Um, honestly, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody. I think right. that's something I've you know, always clarified. I can't. I can only speak for myself and my, my worldview and what I grew up with, but... Um, the, my message is, and I, and I speak in your own voice, your own story. Right. right. And it's important that you tell your story in your own voice. Um, and that um, that we f- cre- find every resource that we can to create the platforms to tell these stories. Like, right. I mean so I mean I have to commend you because this like even this right here being having this podcast you know along with like Buchi Gavos, the other you know the savvy podcast and like it's like within this past year it's like there's been a blossoming of all these yeah. like Central American based like uh, Platforms that are like mm-hmm. you know in their own voice, like even today, I was mentioning you know, Saida from Central American Art and Beauty, right? right. There's Anais from uh, uh um um Bos, mm-hmm. uh, Yeti Guevara, who's like a really great art, you know, artist and everything. And uh,
0: she's Yeti Bird on mm-hmm. Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm for following her. Um, hey. Je-
1: Jessica Alvarenga, who does, does a ton of like you know photography in Houston, mm. right? It's like all oh, these folks are it's like coming into this field, like there's something in the air right now that is this is our time. This is our time, like, and it's like you mentioned it earlier. There's something in the air. There's something that's bringing us all together, right? And I mean, for me, it's like it, the feeling. The greater purpose is be able to to be able to tell finally our story, our way, yeah. the way things happened, and to never have anybody else misrepresent us, disrespect us, and to establish that we are here to contribute, but also, you know. To create our own, you know, sense of identity, our own sense of, like, what our future... We have hold our future in our hands. It should not be in the hands of the gringos or the Mexicans or anybody else. It just belongs to us. Right. And that's kind of like...
0: And driving directly from us mm-hmm. is what the most important part. Yeah.
1: So that's... The thing I guess I would put out there, and but it's exciting that it, it, it is happening. It's like it, mm-hmm. it overjoys me to see all, all these folks. Me too. All these, it's Man. like Yay.
0: I mean, I'm sitting here and I still can't believe that you're right in front of me. Why? I don't know, <laughs> even though I'm looking Ooh, at I'm you. An
1: apparition. <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs>
0: I just think it's a great feeling because, like I said, you know, like I just like I like I said, I recently found your work, so like and I started really getting into it and just being related to it. I mean, even as simple as like you know. Even Jessica Salgado, knowing that she records here too, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, man, like, you know, just growing up, knowing, identifying myself as a Salvadorina Cipota, you know, like, and knowing that these things are coming up, like you said, like, just knowing that it's in the air. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm holding on to dear life right Mm -hmm. now because it's like, I just can't believe
2: it, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, and all I'm thinking in the back of my head is like, finally. Yeah. And I just can't wait for it to continue growing and Mm -hmm. it will grow. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, like I know it's like you're right in front of me, but it's just, or at least I think you are. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's just, you know, I I mean, I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just amazing to to have this, you know. I still can't believe I got, like not a lot of people don't know me well or my listeners out there you know i have not put out my full official story out there but little by little you guys will yeah. start getting to know me more so you know i do suffer from anxiety and i yeah. suffer from like over analyzing a lot mm-hmm. so seeing your art and seeing everything you the context in it and the content is just Everything I've related to and have always just been like, yes, he gets it, you know? So, and I just never knew how to put it into words other than just to speak my mind. So, you know, that's why I created this podcast because I was like, you know what? It's going back to what you said. We're here to contribute. And now... We're going to tell our stories from our own voices, Mm -hmm. and no one else is going to do it for us Mm -hmm. other than ourselves.
2: Mm -hmm. So that's
0: why I'm just so grateful for you to be here because this is what this podcast is about. It's just, you know, no, thank you on the contrary, you know, for being here. But, you know, it's just, I want everyone to share their stories, whether you're Salvadoreño, Hondureño, Mm -hmm. Ticos, you know, from Panama, Belisa, you know, all of Central America, because. You know we've been here for a good amount of time, and we've had our own contribution, and no one can deny that. Yeah. You know, and we're here, and we're here to stay. And you know, um, I just, I, I, again, I can't wrap my mind about, around it. But, um, I, oh my gosh. So, anyways, <laughs> but, um, I just still can't get over the fact that you were telling me about. Just a few, like when you were eighteen, you said right, how like you were just completely like just. When was it when you shifted and started realizing like, whoa, what am I doing?
1: Um. Well, it, so I, okay, okay. I don't. I don't I mean, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's back, okay. Tra- I'm backtracking because it's it's accessing a part of me from back then. Mm-hmm. and telling, You know, so you know how it works. Uh, let me put it out there. Uh, I'm a survivor, right? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a survivor of, of childhood trauma, and that's as far as I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say. So it's that actually compounds a lot of the stuff that happened with me in terms of my own sense of self-love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in order to get out of that hole in which I was of self-hate, right, where I, where I was at and I stayed for many years, it meant having to deal with my shit. It meant having to deal with my pain and the trauma that was done to me as a child. Mm-hmm. And it meant having to like relearn what the hell it meant to love yourself and it's like it's it, you know we, we people say like oh love yourself and everything and it's like it's it's a very wonky imperfect <laughs> really hard process because it, it's it's like there are some days like oh I feel you know I feel great about myself and there's some days like, nah, I don't feel so great about myself and it's like this this continues up and down and so I mean I had to full-blown go into into a deep depression wasn't when I was in like my early 20s because I had to like dive deep into myself as to why I was who I was and mm-hmm. why I had gone through what I'd gone through and it was finally out you know what what brought me out of that it was like when them in the so if I'm in my mid-20s this must have been like in the early 2000s uh I guess I mean, my math sucks <laughs> I'm an <in> English <laughs> major
0: same <I'm> like, <laughs> it's like,
1: but like it's like, what brought me out of that was like you know when, when my mom was having heart troubles mm. right and like Because of the depression I I, I was in at that time, I had not really talked to my mom. I mean, I lived with her, but not talked to her in like almost a decade. She knew nothing about me and what I'd been up to. I mean, I wasn't even going to school. I wasn't really working. I was just loafing, doing nothing right. And it's, and, 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 and you know, I feel guilty about it now because like my my parents were like, you know, supporting me, supporting my lazy ass. I mean, but I mean, I was going through depression at the same time. But like, there's always a sense of guilt because my parents sacrificed so much. For me to like have a roof, to have food, for me to just like you know have the privilege of being depressed, you know, in my in my own home without you know, but still like you know I had I was going through that and like, it's when she got sick that that broke me out of it because it was the it, 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 the possibility of losing her it just snapped me out of that and then, and then it was like no you know like in learning how to in learn and relearning how to love my mom. After all, I mean, she was a hard, harsh woman to grow up with, but in relearning to love her and reading re, and hearing all her stories again and hearing who she is, re you know, like that kind of began to pull me out of that. And like the realization was like, what the fuck have I been doing all this time? Like,
2: yeah.
1: where, have I, where have I, been? what have I been doing with my life? What have I been, I've, I've just been, was like spending all this energy and just hating myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not until I started going to community college where I just like, okay, I started blossoming and, you know, you know, you know, I became like an an organizer and that's a whole other mess of part of my life right there. But, you know, it it becoming politicized and, you know, and I mean, that politicization was was instrumental in, in, in widening my world, but it still didn't wasn't doing the work the internal work of helping me heal in terms of my trauma right and that's right. that's what that's the caveat I, I always put out on, on the page too like politics are great in understanding the world but they're not necessarily the tools for healing you yeah know? you know right. I mean so the healing has to come through other other ways you know whether it's spirituality whether it's uh, other methods that you know that are out there whether it's you know, for me it was reconnecting with my roots right mm. and it's a it was a decade-long process to get to this point now where it's like uh, i i am fully salvadoran now it's like it, 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 it's like I, I was born Salvadoran. i mean i was born salvadoran because that's my first language and everything but i took i left it i abandoned it yeah. you know for many years and to rejoin it to come back to it is what is the most healing thing for me and this is like so when i did the page the page the page itself the the cartoons that's my healing this is how i heal myself of all the ruptures that happened inside of me mm-hmm. what what this country did to me what other folks you know did to me in the way the harm they caused and so this is where i'm at now i'm like i'm the happiest i've ever been in my entire fucking life yeah. right and i almost they crying now but i mean like it's like <laughs> this is the happy i mean i'm happy being me i'm happy being salvi i'm hell proud of that i'm hell proud of my parents like i it's like i am so much in love with my parents now in a way that i couldn't a, 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 as a child and it's uh, i love my partner who i'm with and you know we're both salvies colochos
0: Oh, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like,
1: it's like, it's like I'm having the time of my life, and it's like I'm and I'm glad to be here with you, and thank you for the thank invitation. You. No, so. no,
0: thank I, again, thank you on the contrary for being here and going back to that experience that happened to you when you were in your early twenties. You said yeah, yeah. So I have been on that same journey,
2: yeah,
0: very very similar. And um, it wasn't until this year where I started because I, I guess I could consider myself very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting kind of signs from the universe
2: mm-hmm.
0: every single time. Like, it's like, your time's coming. Just wait for it. Like, yeah. you just work for it, though, but wait for it. And I was like, man, like, what are you talking about? And um, I was just like, and like I said, just little signs here and there. And then going back to the same thing, you know, like, uh, one of the biggest things, I guess, in, ch- in general, Latinos, you know, that mm-hmm. we definitely hold accountable is, like, was our parents journey and struggle worth for what we're doing here now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is something I always hold close to me because I think about the story when my dad tells me when he had to migrate through Mexico Mm -hmm. you know and like he had he got beat up you Mm -hmm. know and like to the point where he said he's like I didn't even think I was gonna make it out alive yeah Yeah. and then I think about when he got here and continued to get you know this discrimination from other people, but of course, you know, the Mexican community Mm -hmm. continued to get it, and he was just like, man, like, I'm facing the same struggles you are, so but uh, same thing, you know, like, I was just like man, like, but always going back to just loving El Salvador Mm -hmm. and I just have so much love for El Pulgarcito, you know, and like, even though I've only been once but the way I always saw it was like I'm Salvadorian wherever I'm born coming from both parents who are Salvadorian you know, and it was always just every single time, you know, going back to, I was like my roots. So I was just like, I need to learn more. I need to continue mm-hmm. holding on to it. I need to do something about it. And then, as I said, you know, um, in, the, in terms of the same experience of dealing with depression, it's something where I thought I was like, um, I never thought, for one, it would ever happen to me. Mm-hmm. Two, I would hear, I actually one friend of mine he told me I opened up to him and told him and he was like you're way too much of a happy person to be depressed and I was thinking about it from an outside perspective and I was like I'm just putting that out there I guess Mm -hmm. you know but then what hit me the most was I was like I'm here I'm breathing I'm alive everyone's here doing the same thing you know but what how am I different from everyone else And I always felt, you know, through my personal experiences that I've gone through and uh, in the next coming episodes, uh, you guys will I'll, – I'll share a story of mine that I hold very dear to me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it's about my best friend and how her and I – had this uh, probably one of the biggest coincidences happen to us and the reason why we're best friends, mm-hmm. but that'll be in a later episode. So I started noticing that in my life, re- more re- more so recently, within the past two years, that these coincidence- coincidences have been happening to me. And they're not minor ones. They're not like, oh, it's like, you know, I met this person and then I saw them again kind of thing. It's like a major, like, hit, you know? And then I would always think about, like my life has always been about storytelling Mm -hmm. because i always hear about stories about from my my from my dad my great-grandma my great-great-grandma you know stories of mayan mythology you know i'm gonna quote unquote say mythology Mm -hmm. but you know and all i thought about was like well i talk a lot and i talk a lot about relevant stuff so i was like you know what i'm like i'm just gonna put it out there and that's how this started And in my head, I was like, you know what? No, you got to get your act together. I'm like, you've got a purpose here. Do it, you Mm -hmm. know? And, you know, again, I'm not doing this for myself Mm -hmm. in a sense. I'm just trying to find that light and that platform for everyone else to get there. And that'll be my greatest happiness and success in a sense, seeing my Mm -hmm. community grow. Mm -hmm. And continue to strive, so that's where I was like, yeah, I'm like, I there's no way I can like let that go, and I'm doing it, and that's the crazy thing because, like I said, you know, I I was someone who overanalyzed, would get anxiety over just the slightest bit. I mean, even driving, you know, and then then I was, and then I'm here, you know, and I'm like, I have you right in front of me, and it's like I never would have thought, you know, if you had told me in the beginning of the year, this is what you're gonna be doing. And I'm doing it, like I said, on, the, you know, I'm doing it on the side because it's, it is a project. Yeah. And um, it's just crazy to me because I'm, I, like I said, I never thought. But I'm so happy once again to be here and to do this and to do it for the community and to have people like you come on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just this opportunity in general is just great, you know. So uh, what's next for you?
1: Um. Ooh, man. <laughs> wow. Well, the future. Well, aside from the fact that I started, I finally started selling crap. <laughs> I'm just saying, sorry, I'm sorry. My sense of like, um, I I finally opened like a shop selling you know some of the the, the art that I've done. There's that. But I mean, aside from that, I I, I want to go back to, to drawing more because it's just last month in setting up the shop has just took over my life and it's like, ugh, capitalism sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, have vending and stuff but i want to go back to drawing all all this other these ideas that i have um large scale stuff but i also want to start working on the comic that i've been i've had rolling around in my head for a long time now and it's um i am a science fiction nerd I mean, I mean i mean i'm that's one of the things oh uh, one little story uh, at the central american uh, film festival like uh, back in october there was this one guy who presented uh, who's hondureño mm-hmm. and he presented this film which was like on time travel right but it's like what, what what blew me out of the uh, out of the water was the fact that it's like it's Central American science fiction, right? And like, holy shit, such, such a thing exists, right? Right. Like, there's there, there can be such a thing as Central American futurism, right? And mm-hmm. and so this is kind of w- where I'm at. I like, I want to create science fiction that is embedded in. in I mean, I can only speak for El Salvador because that's where I'm from. So right. I can't, believe, but I wanted I want science fiction deals with a Salvador's history, but also in being able to project. What things are going to be like in the future as well? Mm-hmm. So, that's, so I have like this this multi-threaded story that I'm kind of that I've been working on for a while now, and I want to be able to create it into a comic.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's that's interesting. I like that. I actually that's a really good idea. I really hope you continue with that. I mean. um, good, good. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Um, in terms of the time traveling thing, though, who is this? Who who did you say the name? No, I don't think you.
1: Oh, I wish I wish I would I would have had his name actually, but he was a. a His film uh, was in the Central America. I mean, I can look it up and I can send it to you later so you can post it up. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um,. By the way, the Central American Film Festival has some really great films this year. It was great. And I missed it. Missed I the-
0: had no idea that it existed. Really? I'm telling you, these things are just popping up, you know. It's funny because like I remember when I first messaged you and I was like, Can you be on the show? You were like, Man, these things are just popping up out of nowhere, you know? Because you had mentioned there, like there was another Central American podcast, and I mm-hmm. think it was a reference or you're referring to um Puchikavos? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, you know, like it, like you said, but going back to that, like just knowing it's in the air. But I was just unknowingly, like, just unaware of the fact that this, there was, that was thing, the Central American Film Festival.
1: But see, this is, it is funny, you bring, you know, that brings up another issue, right, is that I think we're all here in, I mean, at least in Southern California, we're all in these different spaces, mm-hmm. but yet we've not had the medium to be able to really communicate with each other until now, right?
2: Yes. You yeah.
1: Know, through social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever, and all of a sudden, it's like it's what's opening all these doors. Like, oh shit, you're you're Central American? What? I you didn't know?
0: know that. Yeah. You're drawing.
1: You're creating music. You were doing all this and this, and it's like all of a sudden, like. It, it, the community's been there. It's mm-hmm. just it's been sort of disconnected in all these yeah. little pockets here all over LA. Yeah, you know, and then I guess the same thing happens in, in other parts of the country as well.
2: Right, right.
1: So it's like it's it's a beautiful thing that it's I mean as as problematic as social media can be sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, for
1: sure. But it's also a medium by which we can actually learn of each other and learn of things that are happening.
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of one person actually, Joanna Rain. Uh, she's also she has a bigger um, Instagram account called the Unapologetically Brown Series. Yes, yes, amazing. yes. She's great. I didn't. I mean, you know, there's just as little as no. I mean, like the disconnect here, you know, like in LA, and it's like knowing that one of one episode I want to do too. So I guess I'm putting out little like Easter eggs out there, mm-hmm. but um, is connecting all Central America, all Central Americans. Excuse me. So it's like you know, calling all Central Americans mm-hmm. and knowing that you know like. H Town, Houston's big community for Salvadorians. Mm-hmm. DC, like, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I was not aware of that. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all this time, I'm like, how did you guys get there? You know, and then I have uh, family in Australia and Canada. Yes. Australia, yes. Yes, Australia. You know, there's uh, there's a, a truck of pupusas over there. <laughs> and I forgot the name, but my aunt, my godmother, she, when I told her about Nojodas, um, she was telling me all this stuff because it's actually her nephews out there that live in Australia. And um, so when she went, she was just learning more stuff and she was just surprised too. And she was telling me the the same thing where she was just like, you know, she's like, it's great that you're doing this because... You got to take advantage of the fact that these things are up and coming, mm-hmm. and she's like, and she's like, you know, you're right at the time where you're supposed to be doing it, and like, in my head, I was just like, what? What are you talking about? You know, like, I really had no idea that these things were coming up, and she's yeah. like, yeah, she's like, no, there's more Central American representation coming along, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I was like, wow. But yeah, Australia, I mean, all the way down under, you know, it's like, there's Central Americans over there.
1: It's true. I mean, just in my head, I'm thinking speaks in caliche in espanol, but in
0: English, like... Oh my gosh, that's... I, I,
1: I'd i love to hear about that, though. I would love to hear from some some, some of the folks down there.
0: Well, I, I met some of the family members because they came over. Um, When they would speak English, it was straight like an Australian accent, and they would speak Spanish, and it was straight salvadoreño, like, bien salvatrucha, and I was just like,
2: what? Right?
0: I was so shocked and it was just and we, I remember one night this was for my aunt's rehearsal dinner um, or I yeah it, actually no the rehearsal like walk you know what you do it and yeah you know yeah. the whole wedding thing yeah. um, so we went to go we went to a city and we filled up the whole restaurant literally um, of just the family members and then I ordered cola champagne and he was sitting right across from me and then he was just like what is that? And I was just like, I just pushed it towards him, you know, across the table and I was like, just try it. And then he was kind of hesitant at first and then he drank some of it and he was like, oh my gosh, he's like, I remember this, you know? (laughs) Because they were actually born in El Salvador but it was when um, they left and claimed asylum, you know, and then uh, Australia happened to, because I know it's Australia and Canada who actually claims political asylum and were open to um central american migrants Mm -hmm. not the u.s but you know whatever
2: yeah
0: Yeah, but um yeah so i can't wait for this to grow and eventually also talk about us you know salvi australians or central american australians either because it's just it's i mean from one side of the world to the other you know it's just like who would who would think but um yeah, so we did a lot of shout-outs to a lot of people out there, I guess, um, who don't, or maybe who those aren't listening, you know, um, to check out these p- people. You know, Joanna Rain, who does the Unapologetically mm-hmm. Brown series. Absolutely. Jessica Salgado, who's, I mean, she's just, you know, blew up with her work, you know. She has a... Um, a book out called Corazon, Mm -hmm. and it's about her poetry, which I really related to growing up here in L.A. Um, She's, you know, check her out, too. Of course, you dicho, de bicho, you know. I think, again, your work just, it hits home, and it's so relatable in the sense how it's also so raw and true. Mm -hmm. And just how you said, like, your reconnection and just, like, your your self-love or finding yourself again was... Through your work of art, and I think that what your your followers and your your fans out there that like your art feel the same way about it, because it's just so so relevant to this day. So um, we're like what an hour into this, I can't believe that.
1: Really, already an hour? Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. but um, so we can. Uh, was there anything else? Is there something you'd like to include? You know, now's your time, of course. But. Um, if you'd like to add on to this more so um, or something you want to put out there um, any shout outs <laughs>
1: yeah actually, that's the shout outs. That's yeah let's have, do the shout outs i have a shout out this year oh cool cuz I, I actually thought ahead of time. because no cuz I, I got i did the the, the interview with um, with uh, racist sandwich uh, oh
0: i saw that were you, you they finally released the episode to the podcast you said right yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah i saw that on facebook
1: so and like i they asked you for a shout out like oh, but um okay um here it is so, to the fellow folks out there who are, you know, you know, counterparts in this, in this journey and, you know, in the, in the Twitterverse, to Saida from Central American Art and Beauty, Anais from Cancel Bos, Giri Guevara, Saida Quevedo, who uh, did Proyecto Reconstrucción. Hmm. So, eh.
0: oh, that's like, kind of like the Humans of New York, but it's from El, for El Salvador, right?
1: No, what it is, is um, he did interviews with multiple people in El Salvador uh-huh. about the war and, and brought back artifacts, pictures... Pieces of of clothing and everything, wow. and he created an entire museum, basically like like a, like a, like, a, like a, an artifact uh, exhibit on them, which included that uh, like recorded testimonials from all these folks, right?
0: Oh my gosh! So wow. um,
1: uh, he uh, is going to work on actually digitizing all of that, and so shout out to him because I mean that was just oh, an amazing, beautiful thing. Very painful, very painful because, but it was great to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, obviously, Central American Twitter, which has grown like in this year it's amazing uh shout out to cafe at berkeley and i met some of the folks yeah
0: yeah i saw that picture of you <laughs> really with everyone folks. that was a nice picture
1: uh caras in uc san diego uh shout out to the central americas at brown university who <laughs> like a, a while ago like reached out to me just to say hi and everything because um, they're kind of a little bit isolated out there um and also uh, women who, who inspire me like central american women who inspire me um Lacey Abrego, okay. who has, you know, she's just an amazing, amazing scholar and, and activist, all around beautiful human being. Uh, Rosana Perez, who I've admired for a really long time because she was one of the f- folks who was really active in the 80s in, in establishing, you know, uh, you know, an, an anti imperialist you know, community against what was happening in Salvador and everything. Uh, so Yapa Portillo, Portillo, who right now is really active in, in talking about what's happening in Honduras, right? Oh, on, on yes. Twitter, she used to follow her. Um, and, like, some local folks, uh, Carla Osorio, Patricia Macal, and Amanda Macal, all Chapinas, grandmother, mother, and daughter, who are all activists. Uh, and so, three
0: generations three right three there. Three, generations. Wow. And, and they do
1: theater together.
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. So,
1: and then Carla Osorio is, 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 is uh, aligned with uh, uh, Casa del Sur. Casa Solidar del Sur which is here in South LA
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's a great space because they've held a lot of events about Central America mm-hmm. um, so uh, putting a plug for them as well so that's my shout outs oh wait wait one last one uh, two last more to my parents who I lojadoro son mi tesoros and to my partner who's La Colocha Cachimona as I call her because I'm not Gonna mention her name.
0: <laughs> that's okay with all respects. So that's it. All right. Thank you. So I, I'll do a few shout outs as well because, again, you know, um, this is the second episode. Um, I want to give a shout out actually to my co-host, my original co-host, who unfortunately will not be continuing on with us here on No Jodas. Um, He will be a guest, though. He'll come back um, when he can. Uh, He has his own vision out there, which I fully support, just as he fully supports mine. You know, we're still sticking together. Uh, I am in the search for a new co-host, so I'll probably announce that within the next episode. But um, shout-out to 8020 Underground, because, uh, yeah, he doesn't like to... um, Uh, you know respect is privacy which i respect too so shout out to you you know i have so much love and respect for our friendship and this manifestation you know and we'll both be successful in what we continue to do with our own vision so um it was nice it was fun we tried it out but you know wishing you the best out there it was a great run um shout out to you (laughs) yeah because again you know thank you again for being here it means so much you know um you're welcome uh, Your pleasure. i think it's like I, my point is just just this connection that we should be doing and continue to do with other central americans out there like just not knowing that what they're doing but now finally like through social media you know yeah. reaching out and just being like okay let's do this let's put ourselves out there so and Also a big shout out to my family, my dad, you know, who uh, is still a little skeptical about this (laughs) thing, (laughs) um, but he's my number one source and my number one everything, you know. He's the reason why I'm doing this. Uh, I I just, I can't wait to share stories of him and his life and stories about my family because, uh, you know, I've always said my legacy has always been my family and it's very true. Uh, shout out to one of the most important women in my life, who's my great grandmother, Mama Chanita, mm. uh, who's 96 years old, wow. will be 97, and is actually, I might see her later, um, but she's still going strong. Uh, we hope to have her in El Salvador in January because that's her, where she wants to be. She wants to go back, and, um, you know, I, she's just such a. It's bionica, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, I can't, you know, just Salvadorian women in general are just, I can't fathom or just wrap my mind over how strong these women are, you know, and I have so much respect for them, and my great-grandma being one of them as the muse of our family and the rock of our family. So, um, yeah, I just, and then also shout-out to the listeners out there, whoever is listening, thank you so much. You know, this is huge, and I can't wait to continue giving more out there and you know it won't just be about El Salvador it, it's all of Central America so the next episode originally this episode was actually going to be calling all Central Americans but that will be episode 3 so going into that calling all Central Americans you know um, submit to our email which is in our link in our Instagram account which is no Jodas podcast I want to hear all your stories you know and especially right now with the topic of Honduras I can't Stress, you know, how emotional it makes me to know that this is going on.
2: Yeah.
0: And as uh, I, I put it on Facebook, as a daughter of Salvadorian immigrants, you know, who ran from the brink of the Civil War, you know, I mean, the curfews, the the shootings, and just seeing, you know, ugh, dead bodies like yeah. in front of you. It's just, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just, I can't say anything other than I'm sorry, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, our hearts are with you. Um, And we will be definitely putting it out there and um, talking about this issue because people need to know. Um, And yeah, so um, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. This is No I'm your host, Gloria, and I'm here with Victor. Is it okay to say your name? Yes, Yeah, okay. Dicho de un bicho. Thank you again for having us. Thank you to Espacio 1839 here in Boyle Heights. You know, I can't... Thank you guys enough, the owners here because uh, you've given me the space El Espacio mm-hmm. to be here and be doing this and uh, I'm so happy that you saw my vision and you saw it clearly and that is why I'm I'm here recording this now so thank you again, thank you guys for tuning in, uh, check out the de un Bicho on Instagram, you're on Twitter and Facebook, yep. all the social medias, yeah. yeah okay so go ahead and check out that art and then hey, you know Christmas shopping is coming along. If you want something, shop local and then get all your stuff from Dichos de un Bicho. You (laughs) You have, well, you have really cool bags that are the national birds from Centro America, right? Yep, Yep, and I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) So get your tote bags, you know, and this is uh open to all central americans yep. right yeah so and eventually we will continue growing yeah yeah so thank you again thank you for being on here with me thank um, you so
1: much i really appreciate the, the platform. yeah you're awesome oh
0: thank you're awesome too <laughs> all righty guys we're gonna conclude because we're now an hour into this but thank you again uh see you next episode all right bye guys